when I found out I was going to be a parent, I immediately felt a lot of anxiety and worry. So I went on to BetterHelp to try to look for a therapist to help me with that. My relationship with my family and with my boyfriend and with myself were suffering. I really needed help. I was ruminating a lot. Really getting those thoughts out to a therapist and getting feedback was just life-changing. If you're thinking of giving therapy a try, visit betterhelp.com slash stuff today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash stuff. Hey, and welcome to The Short Stuff. I'm Josh, and there's Chuck, and there's Jerry, and Elvis is in the building, in spirit at least, and so is Richard Nixon. Everybody's mad about that. (laughs) So this is short stuff, like I said. That's right, and this is about the very famous meeting of Elvis Presley and Richard Nixon, Mm -hmm. and uh, we got this information from uh, a December 2010 article in Smithsonian Magazine by Peter Carlson, which had some great details about this very famous meeting on December 21st, 1970. Yes, which is... That you might have thought was uh, photoshopped. Well, do you remember one of the first photoshops we ever got from our pal Van Nostrand was of us as Elvis and Nixon? (laughs) That's right. And then, totally unrelated to it, our other pal who photoshops us sometimes is Aaron Cooper... Actually, he does it all the time. And he um, photoshopped us as Elvis and Nixon, too. And I think they were swapped. Pretty amazing stuff. Wow. Well, the wonders of technology. The thing is, though, right. The thing is, is this is not a photoshopped image. It's a very famous image that you could get well before Photoshop was ever around, back in the 80s. But it is of a meeting that very few people knew about until a Chicago newspaper in 1988 said, hey, everybody, the National Archives has a a bunch of pictures of Elvis and Nixon together shaking hands and you can buy them if you want. And it became the most requested picture in National Archives history in like a week. Yeah, and like Elvis as Elvis. It wasn't like he <laughs> he wore, he's like, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wear my suit today and just tone it down. <laughs> like, right. he's, he's fully Elvis. Pur- purple velour suit with a cape, if I remember correctly. Yeah, and there's a movie about this too, by the way. There's two of them. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. There's one from 97 and one from, I think, like 2000-something. Well, the one that I saw was the most recent one. With Michael Shannon? Yes. As uh, as Elvis. Yes. So Not a bad. He, it wasn't great, but Michael Shannon's awesome and everything, so it was worth it for that. Did they make a, like, is it a fin- feature-length movie? Yeah. Weird. But it followed the story, you know. Because, um, I mean, this is about, like, 48 hours is the whole story. Yeah, so here, here's how it goes, is it's uh, Christmas time. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. Hold on. One more thing, Chuck, I want to interject before you get started. It helps a lot to imagine Elvis totally wasted on speed throughout this entire story. Okay. Okay? Just bear that in mind. So it starts on Christmas. Uh, there's a fight at the house between uh, Elvis's dad, Vernon, and Elvis's wife, apparently, about just Christmas spending. Uh, which I think is interesting. I th- I got the impression that they were on the same side against Elvis. Oh, I don't know. Um, I think so. Maybe, but at, at any regard, Elvis leaves. He's he's not too happy. So he does that that movie trope thing where you just go to the airport and say, "Put me on the next flight to anywhere." Mm-hmm. Uh, and that happened to be Washington D.C. Mm-hmm. Goes to D.C. <laughs> this is hilarious. Stays there for a little while and then decides to fly to L.A. Uh, to his house in Beverly Hills, which, by the way, is an Airbnb now. Is it? It is, but it's not. It's it's on Airbnb, but you all the dates were blacked out, and it didn't give a price because I was like, I'm totally going to try and stay there one night sure, at yeah. some point in my life. Right. 
but yeah, I don't know what the deal is. But you can go look at the house. It's pretty sweet, as you would imagine. Okay. Uh, so Elvis's buddy uh, and confidant and assistant, Jerry Schilling, gets a call. He's like, I'm going to be in L.A., man. Pick me up. That's the great Jerry Schilling. He, do- he does pick him up. And here's where we should just say that Elvis, at this point in his life, was obsessed with uh, martial arts, <laughs> guns, yep. and weirdly, law enforcement and collecting law enforcement, like honorary sheriffs and honorary badges, that kind of right. thing. And the thing that bound all of these common or these interests together was drugs, being on lots and lots of drugs. Yeah, and Priscilla says this in her book. He was mm-hmm. obsessed with the narcotics badge, the narc badge. And she said he felt that if you had that narc badge, <laughs> then you could fly to any country right. with your guns and your drugs and get away with it. <laughs> no questions asked. Wow. So that is the that is the fantasy of a drug-addled brain. Probably, yeah, sure. And also, but it, it solves a practical problem, too. I love my guns, and I love my drugs, and I need to get them around. So I got it. I'll bet a Federal Narcotics Bureau badge, which is the predecessor to the DEA, I'll bet I could just flash one of those, add that I'm Elvis Presley, and that I got this from Richard Nixon, and boom, right through with all my big <laughs> garbage bag full of pills. All right, so he's in L.A. He says to his his uh, Jerry Schilling, he's like, now I want to go back to D.C. He didn't tell him why. And then on the way, on the flight, Elvis writes a letter to President Nixon. Uh, Sir, if I can be in any service to you, I want to help the country out, and I would love to meet you. Stays in D.C. Uh, under a pseudonym and tells Nixon his pseudonym. Said he's going to be there in D.C., and I want credentials of a federal agent. yes. So he writes this letter. He, they take the red eye from L.A. to D.C. Uh, they drop a letter off at 6.30 a.m. They check into a hotel. Personally, Elvis dropped this off at the gate of the White House. Yep. And uh, they check into a hotel, and Elvis gets restless. He's not slept, by the way. Imagine um, that. And he uh, he decides he's going to go to the Bureau of Narcotics himself and just kind of sniff around and see what they've got going on there. So while I'm guessing Jerry Schilling was getting some rest in a shower at the hotel room, Elvis is off at the Federal Narcotics Bureau, hasn't slept, probably out of his mind on drugs, talking to them about badges and stuff and how he'd like to meet Richard Nixon and get a badge from him. What's amazing, although it's really not amazing if you stop and think about it, is that when they dropped the letter off at 6.30, within five and a half hours, Elvis was on his way to the White House to meet with the president. All right, let's take a break there, and we'll tell you about the further details of the story right after this. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI, and Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more, while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. 
Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Today's episode is brought to you by Altoids, because let's face it, unraveling the mysteries of the universe is tough work. But with Altoids, your breath will be stronger than a black hole's gravitational pull, more intense than an alien abduction, and more reliable than your phone's battery during a podcast marathon. When it comes to needing intense freshness, Altoids have you covered. Altoids are stronger than your favorite conspiracy theory, more intense than the latest true crime docuseries, and more reliable than a Bigfoot sighting. They're not just mints, they're curiously strong mints. Find Altoids in the checkout aisle. Grab your tin today. All right, so the letter is delivered uh, to an aide of Nixon named Bud. Uh, that's his nickname. Uh, Bud Crow or Krog. Sure. I, w- I think Crow probably Crow? is right. K-R-O-G-H. Croc. Right. So he delivers this, or he gets this letter to Bud Croc, because the front gate people are like, Elvis delivered a letter. Uh, and it's not just like if any normal American had delivered a letter. Like, this one actually got to Nixon's aid pretty quickly. Yeah. Uh, he was a fan of Elvis, and he's like, you know what? This is a great idea. Like, Richard Nixon is not cool at all. No. And... Um, if he met with Elvis Presley, like that's really good for his image because Elvis is the coolest guy on the planet. Ish. <laughs> well, in 1970, he was he was up there. Okay. Um, so he likes this idea. He persuades eventually the chief of staff, Bob Haldeman, uh, to make this happen. And uh, at noon that day, Elvis shows up at the White House uh, ready to go with a gift of a gun. He brought a Colt 45 and a display case to give to Nixon. Which he just took from the wall of his house in L.A. Sure. <laughs> He's like, what can I agree? Oh, this will this will do. <laughs> yeah. And it is. It's, it's a beautifully mounted firearm. If you're into that kind of thing, you would be like, yes. Especially if it came directly from Elvis's personal collection. Sure, you know? I'm not a gun guy, but I would love Elvis's 45. Okay. Sure. <laughs> so um, the Secret Service, of course, says, uh, yes, thank you very much. We'll take that before you can go into the Oval Office. And from what, what did we say, Bud Crow's, um, is it Crow, Croft? What did we settle on? Let's just go with Croft. How about Bud K? <laughs> yeah. So Bud K uh, recounted his impressions of the story, because he's in the room. He made this thing happen, because he's an Elvis fan and an aide to Nixon. And he said that when Elvis walked into that Oval Office, he, he it was plain that he was awestruck. Sure. But he regained his footing pretty quickly and is like, you know, mixing it up with the president, um, having a talk with him, a a very serious talk about the problem of counterculture in the United States. Right. Very interesting. The whole thing was so odd Mm -hmm. because Elvis was a drug addict and he talked about the problems of drugs. And he, from what I understand had a clearly distinct line mm-hmm. between being riddled with prescription drugs uh, and and illegal, like, street drugs. Right, right. Because naively, if it's a prescription drug and it comes from a doctor, it's legitimized. Like, it's fine. It's legal, you know? Even if you have a totally illegal amount of them. 
on you, it's still legal. It's still a prescription drug. But a street drug, I've heard before, and I don't remember where I read it, may have been the Uncle John's Bathroom Reader, that he used to get so worked up about the idea of drug dealers in Memphis down yeah. the street that his he'd want to go out and shoot them. And, his, his, and he'd be wasted on drugs at the time. Yeah. And his entourage would have to, like, calm him down and keep him keep the guns away from him, keep him just in his house to keep him from going out and exacting vigilante justice of the local Memphis street drug dealers around town. Yeah, I mean, I think I said this in the Graceland episode. You know, my family's from Memphis, and mm-hmm. my, my dear sweet grandmother passed away, like, fully believing and saying out loud, like, well, you know, Elvis's doctors killed him. He didn't, he didn't know what was going on. They had him going every which way but loose uh, because of his, their prescriptions. And I'm like, no, Grandma. I mean, you didn't I never tell her that. no on her deathbed, did no. you? No. Yeah, I was like, Elvis was a junkie. <laughs> right. <laughs> now you close your eyes. just over and whisper it into her ear. <laughs> so, all right. So Elvis is awestruck. Uh, this guy, uh, Bud K, is, uh, is taking notes because this is pre-Oval uh, Office taping by Nixon. Mm-hmm. Uh, Elvis is awestruck. They're talking about the counterculture. Elvis is talking about the Beatles, how they're anti-Americans and they're bad for America. And they're talking about drugs. And Elvis is showing off his collection of badges. (laughs) And then basically saying, he basically asked him flat out, I would like a narcotics badge. Can you make that happen? Yeah. Hey, let's cut to the chase, man. (laughs) Pretty much. Yeah. And Nixon says, well, I don't know. Uh, Can we, Bud K.? And Bud Kay was like, yeah, we can probably make that happen. He's like, all right, let's get it done then. So that was it. I mean, within um, uh, probably about an hour, uh, Bud Kay and Elvis went to lunch, and uh, Bud Kay produced the, the badge for him um, like by, before the end of lunch or right after lunch ended. So funny. He also got some uh, other, like he had his bodyguard and chilling with him, and Nixon, Nixon gave them some... Uh, what do you give him? Cufflinks? Uh huh. Then Elvis was like, "Well, Mr. President, they have wives too, you know." <laughs> so he went and got him White House brooches, uh-huh. and Elvis just like leaves the White House with all these gifts, basically. Right. He made a basket out of his shirt. <laughs> uh, but like we said, there was that one very famous photo, uh, and no one knew about this. Elvis wanted to keep it quiet. Mm-hmm. Um, I imagine Nixon wasn't uh, sadly wasn't able to use it as like a as a PR move. Yeah, Which is although I think also plan. he was probably like, what just happened <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> like maybe. after Elvis came and went? It's but crazy yeah, that he was just available. Yeah, it is you a know? little crazy. The whole thing's pretty crazy, Chuck. For sure. But the year after, a, a columnist named Jack Anderson broke the story, and apparently it, nobody really, it didn't go anywhere. No one, it, it didn't become part of the cultural memory. And it wasn't until 1988 that that Chicago newspaper reported about the, the photos that that was when it, it hit just right. I think in 1971, people were like, it didn't. It there. It wasn't kitschy yet. But in 1988, people were ready to be blown away by the idea of Nixon and and uh, Elvis together. That's right. And so it was in the National Archives. Uh, then all of a sudden, you could make a request for the copy of that photo, and uh, within one week, eight thousand people requested that. Mm-hmm. And it's still. I'm not sure if it still is, but for a while, it was the most requested photograph in the history of the National Archives. Yeah, pretty amazing. There you go. Yeah, it was finally supplanted by Obama meeting with that alien in right. the Oval Office, that famous <laughs> photograph. That's right. No, when Obama met with the lead singer of Corn. <laughs> <laughs> right. There you go. Yeah. 
You got anything else? Nope. Well, good, because we don't have time for it anyway. It's a short stuff. We'll see you guys later. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. <laughs>